Hey guys, I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. Welcome to If, if Walls, Walls Could Talk. Talk. We're the owners of Style & Structure. We build and renovate custom homes. We're going to talk about everything from purchasing a lot to building your dream home. There's a lot that goes on behind the build. And we are gonna talk about all of it with guest speakers, experts in the field, designers, and real homeowners. And oh man, if walls could talk. Thanks for joining us with another episode of If Walls Could Talk. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. So we're taking you through the steps of building your home. We talked about picking out the perfect land and site conditions. We've also talked about designing house plans and picking out your selections for the home. Our last episode was about dig day. Today we're going to be discussing laying foundation and waterproofing. What a fun topic, Joe. Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds boring, but it's actually, there's a lot to it and it, it can uh, be a lot of fun. I know. I think homeowners are so focused on the selections and things they can see in a model. And obviously we want all of those things to be high quality and, and stand up well for people. But the big thing is all these behind the scenes things and how it's going to improve living in their home. Yeah. There's so many sayings that say you got to lay the right foundation and we literally are laying the right foundation. That's where it all starts. Um, nothing else really matters if your foundation isn't true and strong and where it needs to be. Yeah. So for foundation types, there's two I know of mainly used in residential. So you've got the block foundation and poured foundation. Is there any other types that you could be using in residential? Um, there are. Uh, there's still some people that actually do wood foundations. Mm. Uh, not that many. It was common um, probably 20 years ago, more common than it is now. But, um, you know, the older outstate um, people, southern states, uh, block walls are probably a little more popular. Mm -hmm. um, but we feel that uh, full poured concrete walls are probably the strongest, driest um, in most of the country. Yeah. I think that's definitely something interesting to note is everywhere you are, you have to do things a little bit different. There's different building codes in every state. And being in Minnesota, we have climate things that we have to consider. Yes, we do. So we really try to make sure everything is waterproof, weatherproof, and strong enough to hold up against it, you know, anything. Yeah. Soil conditions actually uh, bring a lot into the equation as well. Mm. Uh, you know, how much horizontal pressure you have pushing against your foundation wall, uh, what kind of supports you need in there. Uh, poured foundations probably are more forgiving in that situation than actual block foundations because they're hollow on the inside and mm. you just have to do a few things a little bit different. Uh, both work, but uh, we feel poured is, is better in our situation. Definitely. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you go to a job site. So we talked about dig and we have all the trucks out there and we're digging the hole and we had stakes everywhere so you can kind of see where the house was going to lay out but oh my gosh when the foundation gets poured it starts to come together it looks so much bigger and then we start to look at some of these foundations a lot of our homeowners say "Ooh, i may be with a little too big of my house i mean it just yeah. looks so huge at that stage it's yeah really it sure fun. does and um you know it's just so true you take this raw land you stake it out and people think, gosh, it just doesn't look very big. And then you dig the hole and it's like, okay, that changed quite a bit. And you get the footings in there and it looks bigger again. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it happens all through the build, but foundation's a big part of it. Yeah. 
So being in Minnesota, you know, a lot of people are concerned about starting construction in the middle of winter. And the big part of it is foundation and concrete. I don't think Mm -hmm. too many people are concerned about most other things like framing and stuff. But the concrete, you know, that makes sense why people would get nervous. But I know we build throughout the year. So why do we build throughout the year? What do we have to do different in this season if we if we start now. Yeah, there's advantages to building, you know, in each season and disadvantages. Uh, Disadvantage during the winter season is if, you know, we have frost in the ground. Um, Sometimes in January, February, it can be two, three feet uh, that we would have to really, um, you know, get some equipment in there and rip up the frost and take it out in chunks uh, to get down to the unfrozen dirt. Um, But we are able to pour concrete with today's, you know, additives and, and some chloride and stuff that we can add to the concrete it helps it cure much faster and uh, it'll be just as strong as a a concrete wall poured in the summer Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just doing it a little bit different Um, kind of a a rule of thumb though is about uh, 10 degrees fahrenheit and below we're just going to hold off until a little bit warmer yeah i personally would rather start in the winter and i always tell our customers that and they're always surprised because they've always heard spring build spring build But when you're done with your home, landscaping and driveways are a really big deal. So if you can start in the wintertime, by the time we're wrapping up your home, we can get a yard in, a driveway in. So by the time our homeowners move in and have pets or kids, Mm -hmm. they're not running around in a muddy yard. So it times out really nice when you are, you know, starting in the fall, late fall, or even in winter. Yeah. And another reason too is uh, in the middle of winter, the air is just a lot drier. Um, So the lumber we're using and everything is not absorbing a lot of the summertime humidity and stuff like that. Um, So it may even help with, you know, uh, drywall cracks and stuff later on. Yeah. Every season has its challenges and that's something that we always remind homeowners. And advantages. Right. And so I think, you know, we have really strict codes as builders we're not allowed to close up walls when it's wet we have to dry things out there's a lot that we have to do at each stage to make sure you're not going to have problems down the road yeah and i would like to point out that even though we do have strict codes the codes are are really a minimum uh just the least that we need to do to make the structure sound and safe to live in um, there's more times than not that we go above uh, the minimum code yeah And I think that's important to to ask your builder or if you're working with style and structure to ask us, okay, what is code? What am I getting? I think that's something really hard for homeowners when they are shopping builders just to see, am I getting, you know, why are the prices so different? And a lot of times it's not apples to apples. And again, going back to the cosmetic finishes, it's easy to see, okay, I'm getting you know, the same kind of paint or the same kind of cabinets. So those are easier to compare apples to apples. But there's a lot, you know, behind the scenes that can add costs, but we think are going to be really beneficial for the home. And I really feel that's where experience comes into play. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's a lot of salespeople out there that are pushing a certain product and they're going to tell you all the fantastic things that this product can do. Um, But when it comes to experience, you're saying, gosh, you know, I, I understand what they're saying, but... In my situation, and this happened on certain jobs, and you really get an idea, um, you know, the best way to do things, the best products to use, and what combination. Yeah. So going back to foundation, after it gets poured, what are the next steps that we would have to consider? 
Well, I think just uh, talking about foundation and you're, you're bringing up excavating uh, is really to get, you know, the depth correct, not only for draining around the foundation later after backfill, but to stay below that frost line. And it's different in different parts of the country. Um, in the Twin Cities metro area in Minnesota, uh, a minimum of 42 inches of, of ground coverage has to be there to um, stay above the frost line. Uh, northern Minnesota and other climates, it's you know well over five feet. Mm-hmm. And then as you go south, it's less than that. But that's number one, um, to avoid frost heave in the wintertime and coming into spring. Keeps uh, everything more solid for sure. Yeah. So that's not only for your foundation of the home, but we also do a lot of porches and decks. That's for the footings of those. Absolutely. That is part of uh, a structural foundation. Whether it's just footing pads for a deck or porch, it is actually part of the foundation. Yeah. Now, the footings are a little tougher. Sometimes, you know, especially with remodels, sometimes we'll tell homeowners, hey, maybe it's better to wait till after winter to do some of these footings. But recently, we've come across a product that it doesn't matter what time of year, and it's gotten a little bit easier um, for those footings. Can you talk about those a bit? Yeah, um, there's a, a couple different brands out there, but um, they're actually screw-in type footings, and they, you know, they're engineered. It all goes by torque. Uh, they'll go down as far as they have to, and you know, certain soils, it's it's quite an advantage where you may not hit solid soil for eight feet down and. They can just keep adding extensions to it, and once it hits that certain that certain torque, they know they can stop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really great product for porches and decks. Um, not correct for homes, but um, it definitely does the job for for those. Yeah, and I think what's nice about that is again, just kind of timing wise, what works out best for homeowners. I personally would want to start a porch, you know in the winter time or at least very early spring because you're going to want to enjoy it during the warm weather. So we want to be done. We want to be out of your hair so that by the time warm weather comes around, you guys can enjoy the deck or porch. Yeah. Not only that, it actually, then we're using the frost to our advantage. Uh, we're not sinking in, in the mud. We're not going through your yard with a sod after a rain and tearing up all your landscaping. Mm. Um, you know, it may be a little hard on your sod, but it'll come back much quicker in the spring if we just drove across it when I was frozen. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about waterproofing. So yeah. once we have the foundation in, what are the steps for waterproofing and insulation? Yeah. So once we have the foundation poured, um, you know, we let that cure for a few days, pull the, the aluminum forms off the outside, and then we put on a, a waterproof membrane. Uh, it's a sprayed on type um, asphalt membrane. Uh, it really seals up your foundation, uh, seals up any you know minor cracks or anything like that. Um, and then uh, we actually put a, a two-inch foam over the top of that before we backfill. It's all designed so that any moisture that comes in and hits the wall is going to go straight down to about the footing line where we have our drain tile system. Right. Okay, so let's go back to that asphalt. <laughs> stuff yes so we had that on a house i remember the guys put it was it like wet outside or raining when it got put on and it had come inside and was like streaking down the inside of the basement walls what was that 
That was the waterproofing membrane. Uh, yeah. So we do it on the outside of the wall and then also the top of the wall, uh, just for any capillary action where the moisture is inside the wall coming up from the footings. It'll stop it before it gets into your wall system and plates. So on that particular house, I remember that one, um, they had just finished spraying this membrane. It wasn't cured yet. We got a downpouring of rain and it washed it to the inside and it looked like... <laughs> <laughs> it looked creepy. What did I say? It looked like a, a horror, horror house. house. And you thought I was talking about something different. I was talking about like a spooky house. <laughs> I was way off base on that one. <laughs> like Joe, something is wrong in this basement. There's black streaks everywhere. We ended up having, um, we painted the concrete walls because they were doing unfit. You know, if they were finishing their basement, it would have been covered up by drywall. No big deal. Yeah. Cosmetic only. Right. But so they were, um, not finishing it I'm like we got to paint these walls it looks weird down here so yes. now did that affect the integrity did we have to redo any of the waterproofing we um, did we came back and, and sprayed an extra layer on the top of the wall that we thought had washed off so yeah we took care of it yeah so i think that's important at each stage when our trades get in there and they're doing their stuff we come in and that's why you hire a builder is to oversee things like that and make sure, you know, not everything's going to go perfect. The weather's not always going to play nice, but we're there to ensure the quality at each stage. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these all kind of tie together. So we have the, the waterproofing, the foundation. Um, I think this also leads into the drain tile system. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we put both interior and exterior drain tile um, completely around the outside of the footing, also on the inside of the footing, and then uh, we put some pass-throughs in there too. So any moisture that gets to that part has, a, has an escape route. I think that's probably the biggest thing, um, that it's not going to be trapped there. It's not going to be um, migrating up into your basement floor or anything like that. Um, it's all really an effort to keep that foundation dry. Yeah. And you've got the excavating in combination with that. I mean, we do so many different steps to try to get that water away from your home, yes. draining away from your home, but then also um, waterproofing that foundation and, and drain tile. Yeah. And um, it just kind of uh, keeps rolling here, but um, we also use the drain tile system as uh, different parts of the country have radon gas issues. Mm. Um, we do have that in Minnesota, not all places, but we prepare for it in every location. Um, so what we do in addition to our drain tile system is we put in a six inch air, uh, layer of radon rock, which is just basically crushed rock. And we fill your entire basement with that. And then we put a layer of poly over the top of it before we pour the actual basement slab. Um, so that's a combination of things. Any water or anything that's coming up from the bottom can go horizontally through that rock and hit the drain tile system. But also any radon gas is going to do the same thing. Mm. Um, it collects into the, the drain tile system, goes into a sealed sump bucket, and then just passively vented out your roof. So, Okay. Now, radon gas is, I mean, it's not too new, but it is newer in the sense that we didn't used to have to, or used to didn't think about that with building. It wasn't much of a, cons I don't think we knew as much about it. Yeah. So what did they do differently that now we have to put that rock and stuff down? Did it just kind of get trapped and 
how did how did that work? Why no, did I think it? I think in the past we just weren't aware of the the health issues, and also people didn't use their lower levels as living space as much as we do now. Mm-hmm. You know, in the old farmhouses, it was basically your cellar and you stored your vegetables down there. Um, now it's really a living part of your house. Mm-hmm. Um, you have bedrooms down there, people sleeping, and uh, the health benefits are are pretty bad with with a high radon level, and you're never going to know it unless you have it tested because it's odorless, it's tasteless, you just, it's, it's there, but you'll never know it. Yeah. So when we put in our systems, Mm -hmm. if there still is that high level of radon, I know that there's a fan then you can put in the system. We already, we have it kind of roughed and ready for you so that you can kind of get that extra airflow if need be. Yeah. I would say 95 or more percent of the time, the passive system just, it does its job. Um, if there is an extra high level of radon and you test high, we do have things set up um, up in your trusses where the where the pipe leaves the house. We have an outlet up there. Uh, we have a light, so an inline fan can be added at any time to mm-hmm. really like uh, mechanically pull the air out. Yeah, pull the radon gas out. I lived in an older house that had high level of radon, and it did not have any sort of rough in system. That part was expensive. So it is nice mm-hmm. to consider whether you're going to have radon or not on your lot. It's it's it, nice to just plan for it. It's and cheap insurance. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So as far as the foundation waterproofing, um, is there any other things that we need to consider of how it's protected from soil vapor? Or does that pretty much covers it? That pretty much covers it. Um, I think really a misconception, though, as long as we're you know on the foundations, whether it's it's block or it's poured, um, you know, people look at the inside of their foundation wall and they might see some minor cracks or stuff like that, and they think, oh my gosh, this is just going to let in tons of moisture, water, uh, my foundation's failing, um, but really all concrete is going to crack. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's normally not an issue unless, you know, the foundation wall is bowing in, which, you know, it can. It may have too much static pressure pushing in on it. Um, but I always use, like, the, the width of a quarter. If the crack's big enough to stick a quarter in there and it it stays, it's probably a little bit too big. You should have your builder or, you know, maybe a structural engineer take a look at it. Uh, there's plenty of remedies to repair that. Um, a lot of it's just injecting a epoxy resin into those cracks, and that takes care of any leaking issues or anything like that. So, yeah. and that's part of the foundational warranty that all mm-hmm. builders are required to give homeowners, and it's a 10-year from from when we build the home. From structural, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the main the main thing I'm I'm saying here by bringing this up is, don't panic. Right. Um, you're going to see stuff and. Uh, a lot of things are just perfectly normal in the building process. Um, and just ask your builder or, yeah. you know, ask a, he may have to bring in a structural engineer or he may say, yeah, this is very common. We're just going to get the concrete company back out here and this is our remedy. Yeah. And I think that's what's so interesting. You know, we always are telling homeowners, ask the questions. If there's something that jumps out at you, makes you nervous, you know, don't let it just sit and fester and worry you. Ask your builder. There might be a perfectly good explanation or something that we can talk you through or there might be something that we do need to check and it's better to check it at that stage than later yeah and and as a builder you know we're not trying to cover anything up it's not in our best interest to cover anything up Mm -hmm. Uh, we're standing behind these homes you know like you said a 10-year structural warranty that's a long time 
Yeah. We don't want an issue five years down the road. Nobody wants to come back. The homeowners don't want us to come back. No. And we don't want to. So we're going to make sure the products we use are top of the line and that it's done yeah. right. Yeah. Do it right the first time. Or like you said, if there is something wrong, the sooner you catch it, the better. Yeah. It, because there are things that go wrong in building. It's just the way it is. Um, just how we remedy them. That makes all the difference. Absolutely. So how long does this stage take? What's the timeline of, of when we start pouring the walls till we get to framing? Um, you know, I usually try to figure about two weeks and that leaves a little bit of time for any weather delays, uh, things like that. Um, you know, just setting the foundation forms really depends on the size of the home. Um, but that does go faster than like a block foundation. Uh, it's just more labor intensive, but once the, uh, the forms are all set and inspected, um, you know, we do put in a lot of, um, uh, ties and re-rod and, and different things. The walls are engineered to meet, um, you know, how tall they are, how, how much weight's going to go down on them. So there's a lot that goes into this. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to see once they're poured because it's all buried, um, in the wall. Um, but that all takes a, a varying amount of time. Um, and then once the wall is poured, we like to leave it sit for at least a couple days and then do the waterproofing membrane that has to cure again, another couple days. And then we're ready for backfill, which can take, you know, again, one to two days. So, yeah. um, I, I figured two weeks start to finish as a norm. Okay. Now, is there any challenges that present themselves when it based on the type of basement it's going to be. It's got walkout, lookout, we have flat basement. Sometimes we have slab on grade or crawl space. Is there challenges at this stage with each of those? You know, not a whole lot. Um, some of the lot conditions are going to be, you know, if there's, if it's a very wooded lot or it's real steep around the back and there's just not access, it's more of an access thing than it is the type of foundation. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of challenges that differ um, as far as just the foundation itself. So homeowners shouldn't be more concerned about water in their basement if it's a walkout, lookout, flat, all of that is still... No, we try to take that into consideration on the front end, so should With not be grading. too much... Of, yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's a walkout, we try to you know anticipate, well, gosh, what if we do get a monsoon-type rain that it's going to rain three inches in a day... Um, we really try to leave a natural outlet. So any water that washes in has a escape route mm -hmm. and then we still are not compromising, um, what we have, uh, the dug so far. Yeah. Well, very interesting, Joe. I think this stage <laughs> is, you know, again, it's just really important to get it right. And it sets the stage for all of our next steps. So we have some great trades that we work with on this. About how many different trades come in during this this stage? Wow. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that. So we have, you know, from the survey company to the excavator. Um, usually, the the footing crew and wall crew is different on your foundation. Uh, the the waterproofing guys, inspections come in, mm -hmm. and it's really amazing how many people touch each portion of this build. So um, what seems like it's pretty simple, uh, it has a lot of a lot of hands on it. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of coordinating schedules, and yeah. they all have to kind of wait for, you know, the trade before them to finish up. So yep, timing has to be right. Yep, absolutely. So, 
Well, thanks for ask, answering all my questions, Joe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is totally your part of, you know, our partnership. You handle all things construction, and I'm always amazed at how much I can learn about the build, even though we've been doing this together for, you know, over 10 years. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I love talking about it. I love the questions. I love it. So next time we're going to be talking about framing. So that's really the next step. Um, and like we mentioned before, we are we're writing a book and we're going to have all of our checklists for each phase of the build in this book. So right now, the what we're talking about with foundation, uh, drain tile, waterproofing, we actually have three different checklists for that particular stage. So we're going to get them in our book. Um, but we just want you to be aware of everything um, that goes into each stage and really just how much it takes for each builder. So, And I would act, really love any, you know, if we missed anything, any questions that anybody has uh, to fire them back at us. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are posting questions for each episode on Instagram. So be sure to go there for um, any questions that you might have. And we'll definitely... Um, do a little shout out on the podcast and answer those when we can. So, um, but yeah, so next week I'm excited to talk about framing for me. That's a really exciting stage. You know, we talk about how the foundation goes in and it feels so big, but framing one, it goes extremely quickly, surprisingly <laughs> quick for, you know, no matter what size the house yeah. and it starts to look like a house. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fun part of the build. It's really fun. So then it does start to slow down because we start putting all the finishing touches on and, and the homeowner's like, oh, we're going to be done way quicker than you guys said. We're like, no, it's just because framing went fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. But thanks again for joining us. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. And that's another episode of If, if Walls, Walls Could, Could Talk. Talk.